I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, 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 and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We're not, but we are two Mm -hmm. friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And we welcome you to this podcast. And, you know, if you've never been here, then you've never heard us say this. And if you've listened a lot, you've heard us say this a lot, but we're just going to do it. You can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to the stuff we talk about on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod and on Instagram, where most of the action is, and that's Forever 35 Podcast. We also have a Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is Serums, and we just have a whole pile of spinoff groups. I just joined Forever 35 Grief. Very excited mm. about that. Uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. If you would like to reach us, we have a voicemail number and a text, 781-591-0390. Our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. And from the bottom of our hearts, we deeply appreciate it when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get seen and discovered and brings in more people to this magical wacky community of ours that we treasure so much so thank you so much for doing that magical wacky community is such a good way of describing it you know on an upcoming mini episode we're going to hear from a listener who calls in about the facebook groups and how they basically had like a magical thing happen and it 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 never ceases to blow my mind one that anyone is out there listening to this and two that it's just this amazing community of people who are so kind and generous and helpful and thoughtful. It's like immense gratitude. Yeah, I echo that. 
I mean, what would we have done through the pandemic if we didn't have a podcast where we got to talk to each other so much and then a community that kept us company through this? I really don't know. I know. It's hard to think about that. Would have been super lonely. It's true. Hmm. Well, speaking of loneliness or the opposite of comma, <laughs> I hung out with a group of friends, Dora. Oh, yay. My group text of mom friends who all have kids at my kids' school got together. We have been texting each other since literally the first day of school. Oh. We all got together at one of our houses and sat in the backyard and we chatted and laughed for hours. Oh, that's so nice. It I'm was, so happy for you. It was like beyond nice. I can't even describe how it felt. It felt so good. I stayed out late. You know, I got there maybe around eight o'clock and I left at like 1130, which is way past my bedtime. And I was so wired from being around other people that I couldn't fall asleep until like one thirty in the morning. I was so oh like gosh. electrified. It was it was so interesting <laughs> to like physically feel what being around other people did to me. And I mean other people being around other people, one friends, but also people in a relaxed way. Because so much of the last year has been being around other people in a fearful way. And that yeah. Has been really hard. I know, and I know, I mean, gosh, I know how many of you out there have experienced this so deeply, especially if you have been, you know, had an essential a job where you are facing a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, it's been really, it's really tough. So I, I think that a lot of us are probably relearning how to feel comfortable around people. It's been really hard. Totally. I mean, if I came near anyone, I was terrified. Um, and again, mm -hmm. like I know people who had to deal with people all day long that must have been even more scary. So it just felt really good. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be vaccinated. I'm so I, I, there's just no words. There's no words to describe how it feels. I'm just so grateful. So it felt awesome. I'm so glad that you got to do that. It was so fun. We had so many laughs. Like, it just felt good to laugh. Yeah. And to hug. We hugged. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. Felt mm. so good. And and also just to talk about, like, not about the pandemic. Like, to just, like, yuck it up about other stuff. Yes. I'm sure we yes. talked about it, too. But it was it was, like, the conversation wasn't just around that for the first time in totally. so long. Totally. That's such a good point. It's like no longer the only topic of conversation. No. And I mean, you know, everything feels big and scary and hard right now. Um, and it just felt really nice. It felt really nice. Mm, so I know so you are bad. about to have some human interaction this weekend, which is, are you excited? Are you anticipating it with glee? Yeah, I mean, my parents are coming this weekend. They're they are due to arrive at my house in like probably less than two hours. All right. Um, you know, we hadn't seen them in over a year until they came in March, and now you know, two months later, they're here again, which is nice. Like it, and it, you know, and I, I just have to kind of not let myself think about all the visits that we missed out on. You know what I mean? Over yeah. the year. Like, oh, it, this is what it would have been like all year if, you know, we hadn't been in a pandemic. And and I just can't, I can't think about that. So I just have to kind of move forward and think about the fact that we can see each other now. Um, That's and hard. That's hard to kind of not dwell on that even a little bit, you know, and feel sad totally. about it. Totally. Especially because my son is so young and, yeah. you know, changed so much. Like, he's even changed in the two months since they saw him. Oh, my gosh. And he's like a full-on... He's like a... He could be going to work right now. He's so grown up. You know what I mean? He could, like, he's pick like, up a job. Yeah. He's a real kid. I mean, and he likes tasks. So, you know, it makes sense. He does. He's very good at completing tasks. He I could learn a, a lot from him. <laughs> I mean, we all could, honestly. Um... And then, 
we are also going to see them again over the summer because we are going to the East Coast. And we finally got everything like organized. Like we bought the plane tickets. We know where we're staying. I rented a car, which is now so expensive to do. Sure is. Wow. And yeah, it's really bananas. I also like we we basically used like every credit card point we had accumulated in the last, you know, year and a half because we obviously didn't use them all year. So that was kind of fun, kind of like cashing them in. Um but I'm also really excited to put all of our listeners' recommendations into practice in terms of traveling. And you have to travel with a toddler, which is not Fun. We have to travel cross country with a toddler. Not fun. Not fun so, at all. You know, it's kind of like what you were saying in our episode the other day, where you were like, I just didn't have time for self care. I just had to like barrel through. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, at least you can, you know, that it's finite. And I think that's just mm-hmm. what I'm going to keep repeating to myself. Like, this is a long flight, but it will end. Like we will get to our destination. It will be over. I just need to get through these like five hours. Yeah. You just got to get through. Then you'll land in the best city in the world, Boston, Massachusetts, where there's Actually, a Duncan. We're, we're, we're going to, we're landing in, in New York. I'm sorry. We're, in we're gonna, New York? We're going to fly out of Boston, but we're, we're flying into New York. Yes. <laughs> I God. wish you all could see Kate's face right now. It is, I would describe it as disgust. I am. And shock. Agog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we're- Duncan's at Logan that you could just cruise. I know there are Duncan's in LA, I but think it's just there's the a Duncan's at JFK also. Not the same. I, I agree. It is not the same. Um, yeah, because the first part of our trip, we're going to be seeing some friends and family in Connecticut. So okay. it made more sense to fly into New York. I apologize. Look, I love the Big Apple. No, no. For my, New York is my truest home. It's just that I Boston mean, we is my we will literally be just be passing through. Like we're we're going straight from the airport to Connecticut. So okay. anyway, now that everyone knows my itinerary, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, and if you're ever on a plane with us, say hi because yes. I've had a situation where like there was a listener on a plane with me, and they didn't say anything. Oh my gosh. You got, yes. Please say hi. There's nothing please I dream of hi. more than meeting anyone who listens to this podcast IRL, but especially on a plane. Oh, that would be so fun. That'd be fun. Um, I also just want to mention that, you know, I, I said my parents are coming this weekend and like, yes, they are here to see their grandson, but I also plan on enlisting my mom's help to declutter. Hell yeah. You know how you just need like, a person. Yeah, and sometimes that it helps she's if just that person, a person is like a grown yeah, up, like a parent exactly, grown up. Exactly, exactly. Um because it's getting kind of out of hand. And I've already asked a friend to handle selling a bunch of my stuff. And you know, this is something that I do usually like to do myself, but I'm so busy right now that the thought of you know, taking pictures of everything and writing descriptions and pricing it and then coordinating pickups and drop like it just I was like, I I can't take this on right now, but I need all this crap out of my life. And then I was like, this is good that I'm recognizing this personal boundary slash limitation. You know what I mean? That I'm not just like taking it on. You're asking for help asking for help. Well, you know, you got me thinking recently because I think you are a, well, we've talked about this on the show and and we were talking about it kind of off the air with some work stuff. Like you are a taker honor. Mm -hmm. You take stuff on. I think because Mm -hmm. you can handle it and because you like doing a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, but also I think then all of a sudden, as I observe you, I'm your your new psychoanalyst. uh, Someone's got to do it. Oh my God, there's too much here. Yes. It's like you go to a buffet and you're like, everything looks good. But then all of a sudden you're like, how am I going to eat all this? So, yeah, and then you do, go. and then you have seconds. I mean, look, that is one thing that I hate about this pandemic is that buffets really have been bearing the brunt of this. Like, will we ever get buffets back? You know, mm. someone just sent me a link to 
a story about how the Bacchanal buffet at Caesars in Las Vegas is like back and better than ever. And I was like, I had vowed never to go back to a buffet. What? Why would you make that promise? And then I was like, why did I make that promise? Okay, yeah. Buffets are like the greatest invention. Uh, My sister was also, as like a total aside, but kind of related to travel, my sister was in Vegas this week for a wedding. And um, she had like the best time. And I was like, I'm ready to go back to Vegas. Wow, Dory. I am ready to get that back and all buffet. I'm ready to go to the spa. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to sit at a blackjack table. In a mask or no mask? Of course, in a mask. Oh, okay. I will. Oh, I will be wearing a mask. I don't know what the rest of these people are going to be doing, but I. I will be in a mask. So big plans over here. Look at you. Listen, I don't know when that's going to happen, but for the first time, I was like, you know what? That that sounds fun. That does sound fun. And look, like nothing is better than a buffet. I I truly hope that they are not something we get rid of. It sounds like. They're still going strong, so okay, I don't good. think we need to worry about that. <laughs> I don't need to start a petition? No, and I don't think you need like a GoFundMe to save the Caesars Palace buffet. I mean, it's not just Caesars. It's literally every buffet I've ever been to, especially if there's a make-your-own-waffle station. Oh, sure, oh, yes. God. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, How I know we got off about- track. Oh, yeah. Go uh, on. Sorry, I'm going to get us even more off track. Go. How do you feel about an omelet station and how do you feel about a pasta station? Okay. Do you want to know my like really lame hot take on the omelet station? Yes. In theory, I like an omelet. I like the idea, but I think omelets are gross. They're always dry. Like the egg. I'm with you. I don't like omelets. I think they're the worst. I think they usually turn out badly. However, what I have learned is that if you say to the omelet person, I want it like, not like raw, but like I, I want it like very lightly cooked, then you will get a decent omelet because I think they do overcook them because they think that people want them like charred like a sandwich. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even if I would, I, I would never make myself an omelet. Like I prefer, yeah. now would I put all the ingredients into a scramble? A scramble. Yes. Kate, we are on the same page here. We, we really go are. on vacation together because we let's, will hit up that line. Let's go to a buffet. Now, anytime. I mean, a pasta bar. Yes, I'm fine with. That sounds great. Okay. Like what's okay. the beef with a pasta bar? You have a I'm problem just, with a pasta bar? No, I, I, oh no. I was just asking your opinion. That doesn't doesn't bother me, but the omelet station is where I get angry because I'm like, this isn't good. Why am I here? Why is this whole line here for a dry egg pancake? Yes, I am so with you. I would say the vast majority of people overcook omelets. Omelets are a bad idea. I do want to take a stand. You gotta not get just an egg white omelet too. You've got to get a full egg. Oh, yes. I, I I am so when I think about all the egg white omelets I ate in my life, I get very sad. Egg whites are they're very adjacent to like the snack well generation, right? Like Yes. Yes. That in my early twenties I ate a lot of egg whites. Totally. You know, and now we're really getting off track, but Anne Helen Peterson in her in a recent newsletter was writing about um kind of the like the cultural disordered eating moments mm-hmm. of the 90s and yes. early aughts and it was so good it was so good and made such a fantastic point about why people our age are so worked up about this idea of low waisted jeans coming back which is not because they're ugly which they are but because it went hand in hand with so much body image issues and shame and just awfulness that was put upon us. And mm-hmm. so I, th- I think of egg whites in the same way. Like when I started eating egg yolks again, it was, um, it felt revelatory. Yes. Yes. <sighs> you know, when we say we've covered the gamut, we've really, we've gone from hanging out to uh, an egg yolk. <laughs> it's true. But, <sighs> all right well 
so I think we said on a previous episode that we're kind of playing around with how we introduce our guests. We have landed on a new, <laughs> on a new format. We're experimenting. We're experimenting, which is to read their bios before the interview. And then we'll, we'll take a break and then we'll just start the interview. Yeah. Now, look, we did receive a text message recently from someone who was like, please don't change how you do the interview introductions. And I was like, uh oh. So not everyone's going to like what we do. This this might be best of both worlds. Okay. Well, let's try it because look, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a more amazing guest to get to kind of gush about beforehand. I mean, this really, like, I was very weepy about this interview. Yes. And she did not disappoint. No, she did not. Um, so, you know, if I sound very nervous, there's a, there's a reason. Uh, our guest on today's episode is Anne Lamott. Now, here I go. I'm going to start the bio. Anne Lamott is a writer who uses honesty, empathy, and humor to write about our world. In her beloved best-selling books like Operating Instructions, which is an account of her son's first year, and Bird by Bird, her classic book on writing, or Helps, Thanks, Wow, A Celebration of Prayer, Lamont delves into what makes us human. She explores the wide experience of life that unites us, birth and death, parenthood and family, faith and doubt, love and loss, and forgiveness and hope. And Anne Lamott has been honored with a Guggenheim Fellowship, has taught at UC Davis, as well as at writing conferences around the country. And she was also the star of her own documentary film titled Bird by Bird with Annie. And she has been inducted into the California Hall of Fame. She lives here in California with her family and her husband. And she's got an incredible new book out that was really, really moving which is called Dusk, Night, Dawn. And it's a beautiful read. Um, and, you know, her book, Bird by Bird, has changed my life. So I, I don't even know what to say. She's just incredible. A true hero. Although yeah. in our interview, you'll hear if she doesn't really think so. She just lives her life. Yeah, she's, she's really interesting. So we're going to take a short break and we will come back with Anne Lamont. I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass, but this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, 
Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Our guest today is Anne Lamott, and we are so excited to have you here to talk about 
so many things, especially your new book, Dusk, Night, Dawn on Revival and Courage. We do always like to start our conversations with our guests by asking them about a self-care practice that they have. So we'd love to hear about something that you do regularly that you consider self-care. Well, I um, my life is really centered around self-care. Um, I've been in recovery for alcoholism for almost 35 years and for codependence um, for nearly nearly as long. And the codependence means you put everybody else's needs first and you take the leftovers and you make sure everybody else is comfortable and feeling good about themselves before you check in with yourself. So um, I it has been a long road back for me, but now <clears throat> I can honestly say self-care is part of um, really the primary um, focus of my life. I call it calling, keeping the patient comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I eat in a certain specific way that helps me feel really safe. And I walk almost every day. If my feet are hurting, I don't walk. Um, even though the thing inside of me says I have to walk, I have to get my 10,000 steps. And, but the voice of recovery says I really don't. And I take a short nap every afternoon with the kitty. I crawl into bed and I, or onto the bed and I read for a little while and I usually fall asleep for about 45 minutes. And then I, it kind of buys me the rest of the afternoon and evening. So, um, Peppermint tea after dinner is a major part of my self-care. It's partly so calming and it's so delicious, but it also means like some really sweet mommy got me a cup of tea. Hmm. There's also, I feel like there was a moment in your new book where you referenced York peppermint patties, which I also find very soothing. And that's just, that's something, (laughs) something about that. That was in the context of a binge I was having at the, um, uh, San Diego airport. But um, I do eat candy. I like candy. And I keep thinking, oh, I shouldn't eat any sugar. I shouldn't. I should, should, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. But shoulds are, you know what, it, that also begins with SH. And um, so if I need candy for medicinal or psychiatric reasons or spiritual reasons, I eat whatever candy I want. Last night, yesterday, I was having a hard day and I ended up eating two bags of um, Sour Patch Kids. But I was very nice to myself about it and very welcoming and and, um, gentle about the whole thing. And they were delicious and they did the trick. You wrote really um, beautifully on Instagram recently. uh, And this is a question I had for later, but I, I just wanted to mention it because you talk about body image struggles and binging, which is something I've experienced in my life. And the thing that resonated for me was how you really treated yourself with such compassion through the experience. Is that something I would love to just hear about the the kind of process that you've had in your life to get to a point where you can, where you're, where nothing is perfect. You're not perfect. Nothing's solved. But the, the way you respond to yourself seems very kind. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a habit I've developed in the last 30 years is um, patience with myself. Patience with myself leads to patience with everybody else. And, um, you know, but of course, I'm the person that's hardest to experience patience with. And um, I practice radical self-love and radical self-care as a habit, both as a practice and as a habit. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it's so easy to judge yourself or be mean to yourself because no one's perfect. We screw up right and left every day. You know, there's a whole chapter on perfectionism in my writing book, Bird by Bird, because I really believe perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the voice of the enemy. I wear bracelets that are, have messages or, um, uh, sometimes their recovery, one of them says, in beads, miracle. I had this one made up for myself and my friends based on um, a spiritual teacher whose name I forgot, who's, who had a bracelet. But it says, I am a sacred, worthy, luminous being. I am love, and my love is forgiving. 
So that's easy to forget. You know, I have a public life and I sometimes screw up there. I am a mother and a grandmother of a kid and a young and a boy who live on our property. I'm a stepmom. Um, um, you know, there, there are a lot of re, there are a lot of, um, things that trigger harshness, you know, self harshness or self judgment or, kind of withholding my own mommy love and I have developed the habit of stopping you know my when I first got sober my mentor in 12-step recovery used to say watch the self-talk watch the self-talk and um and I've learned to do that I stop myself very gently I grip my own wrist and I say stop now you can see my nails are fabulous they're pink with glitter and yesterday when I was having this hard day before I ate the all the Sour Patch Kids, I went and got him. I got it. I call it a revenge manicure. <laughs> I was sort of mad at two of the men on our property, my husband and my son. And, um, and so I ran away from home and, um, got a manicure. And that was really wonderful. And that just instantly put me in a beautiful mood because that means somebody loves me and is caring for me. So, um, and then on the way home, I got the Sour Patch Kids. A day in the life. <laughs> it's a very relatable day it. in the life, I got to say. Um, I, I wanted to go back to what you mentioned about kind of working through codependency. And I'm wondering if that awareness was an outgrowth of getting sober and how does that work kind of align with getting sober? Well. I was raised to be a codependent. I was raised um, with an owner's manual that um, taught me that if dad was happy, then mom and dad would be happier. They did not have a good marriage. And then if mom was happy, all the kids could get nourished and, you know, um, tended to. And so I learned from a very early age, probably three or four, that the first, that, um, I needed to make sure that my dad was okay. And um, then, um, and then that became that the men were okay. My older brother should be okay. And then he wouldn't hurt me. So it all became externally based um, value and, um, and safety. It was very much that if dad was in a good mood, we were all safe. And so um, I think that in that way, um, the codependence very much, I think I was probably genetically predisposed to be an alcoholic, but I think also that codependence, my mom was just a black belt codependent. Mm -hmm. And I think it set me up to want to find the relief that I found in alcohol and drugs, you know, that I could, um, stop having that, you know, spiky anxiety about how everybody literally on earth was doing. And mm -hmm. I could just sort of settle down into my own centered self, my interior self. And then that translated to a much less shy exterior self. And it was just a great system. Although of course it was killing me and, and uh, completely um, ruining everything precious about my life. But other than that, it, you know, it certainly made the, the corners less sharp. Your marriage is such a central part of your, of your new book. Um, and I think it really resonated with both of us. And you you talk about your husband, Neil. You say you've never met someone so brilliant who is also kind 95% of the time, but who is as set in his annoying ways as you are in yours. Dory, I'm only speaking for myself, but I read that and it was like 800 light bulbs went off and I saw my entire relationship <laughs> flash before my eyes. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, and it also sounds like you've done a lot of growing in your relationship or growing up as you talk about. So what has that been like for you? What kind of growing up have you done since meeting your partner? Oh my God. I mean, there's so much about that in the new book, but um, the in a nutshell version is that I um, met someone about whom there was nothing triggering and terrifying. Like there wasn't that edginess that I was sort of addicted to in my in my long term relationships. There was this kind of edge. You know, when I grew up, 
and I'm infinitely older than you two, but in the 50s and early 60s, everywhere you went, men and boys wanted to play that game with you where they put their palms out and you put your palm on top and then they slapped you. Mm. And I think the game was that they liked to slap girls, you know, and women. And um, there was never any chance to not be slapped. Like you were like shamed if you wouldn't play the game where they got to slap you. And I had that component in my relationships, like this certain kind of edge. It was, I always called it the vampire dance floor because it was kind of smoky and shadowy and, um, and I love, and I loved, I thought I loved that, um, that quality of held breath and of, you know, it's like when you're a girl and, and you're, you're jump roping with your girlfriends and they're turning the rope a little bit faster than you're comfortable with. And you sit, stand outside it kind of going like this, pacing yourself and getting ready to step underneath the rope. Mm. And uh, if you hit wrong, it's, it smacks your skin and it hurts, right? Another skin smack. So um, I learned with Neil that that wasn't something I love, that what I love is feeling safe. And um, really, in our very first dates, we we have never been apart for a day unless one of us had to travel. And in those early days, we just, for whatever reason, shared it all. You know, the stuff that we were ashamed of, the stuff that we were fearful about. I was fearful because most of the men I'd been with had had something going on the side that might not be sexual or physical, but that was energetic. I um. I was afraid he would get to know me too well. I'm a year and a half old, not a year and a half, but a year older. I'm currently 67 and he's currently 65 until July 7th, at which point he'll be 66 and I'll only be a year older. But I'd always been with men that were older. I'd never been with a man who was younger. And, you know, my skin, I I grew up in the California sun. You two may have, Mm -hmm. excuse me, I was a tennis champion. I was on the tennis court at eight in the morning you know, all day. And in the 50s and 60s, the 60s, they didn't, there was sea and ski, you know, which God knows it probably had an SPF 8 or something. What there was was baby oil and tinfoil reflectors. And um, so I, you know, I, I was with somebody who doesn't care about my looks or my upper arms or even my lower arms, you know, that are really crepey. And he doesn't, I told him everything. I told him everything I'd done to diminish the damage. I told him everything I was freaked out about, you know, to be in a swimsuit with a younger man. He's like 6'3", and he just, everything hangs well on him. And, um, and um, I kind of forgot the question, but it, he... From the very beginning, we were going to do this relationship from the inside. We decided from the very beginning we were going to do it from the the heart and the soul and the spirit. And it wasn't going to be about my size. And that was Mm. kind of a first for me. Uh, And not that all men had cared about my thighs or judged me, but I always did because they essentially weren't that safe. So, yeah, it was Mm. really new territory. Kind of makes me think about something that you write in your book about aging. Um, you wrote, in the third third of life, you may become just as miserable and prickly as ever, but you cycle through more quickly. You remember other dark nights of the soul and how by dawn they always broke. You discover that everything helps you learn who you are and that this is why we are here. You roll your eyes at yourself more gently. You sigh and go make yourself a cup of tea. I just love that so much um, because our society is so obsessed with anti-aging and looking young and young people. And you just write so beautifully about the power of being in that third third of your life. And I'm wondering, what did it take to get there? How did you how did you kind of come to these revelations? Just took what what it you know took uh, getting a little bit older the grace of myopia <laughs> the grace <laughs> of 
forgiveness and having been forgiven so often by so many very, very cherished people. It took 20 years of therapy. It took 35 years in the recovery movement. It took probably more than anything, incredibly great best friends, Mm -hmm. which has always been my superpower is that I've always had like two or three unbelievable best girlfriends. And, um, and I have one best man friend and, um, and with them, I could tell them anything. That's usually how I cycle through bad patches as I say it out loud. I pick up the 200 pound phone or I, um, yeah, I text them. I beg them to go to target with me (laughs) and I tell them. And, uh, the other day I told someone, uh, and then Neil, after I told my girlfriend something I'd never told anyone before, that it was a secret I've had for um, 50 years, I think. Yeah. Since um, I was 17, 18. Yeah. Wow. And um, first I told a girlfriend. And, um, you know, and what, and it, it, what the answer to the question is, it took finding people, whether it was in therapy, the best friend, Neil, or my precious communities church and recovery of saying this stuff out loud and these beloved safe people saying oh thank you for trusting me I did the same thing my Mm. details are different but the feeling and the the shame or the you know separation from self separation from God separation from life I experienced too and uh, I think you're going to feel better now I I feel like that's such a, a, a such a big part of your new book. Um, I really loved the chapter "Snail Him." It really made me very emotional, and it was just really powerful. And I know you mentioned forgiveness just now in our conversation, but you also say in that chapter, you say forg- forgiveness is maturity, and you really talk about what it means to seek forgiveness and experience forgiveness, forgiveness of yourself, and to put the words out there. And I, I, it was, um, it was the first time I'd ever really thought about the act of forgiveness and, and your forgiveness of yourself as self care. Is that, is that something that resonates with you? I mean, is forgiveness a part of what it means to take care of yourself? Well, that's a good question. Um, and it's just mostly, it's all of a piece, you know, the self forgiveness and, uh, um, kindness and putting delicious smelling oils or lotions on my cellulite thighs and eating, you know, mostly 80% incredibly healthy and then candy or whatever, you know, chips and dip or whatever it is that I need medicinally. It's all of a piece and it really does begin with the watching the self-talk and it does begin with the girlfriends and it does begin with a few safe people. My son and, and Neil are both absolutely intimately safe for me so if I say um and I have said and I do say I have so much trouble forgiving myself for what I did to Esther Mm. um and Mm. they say you know what they say they say tell me more Mm. you know tell me more there's an excerpt from my husband's book which is called shapes of truth which is also his website but at um if you google around you can read excerpts and one is on the the rising up of compassion inside of us and can i mention another website even though it's not you because <laughs> if, yes, if you go to spirituality and health there's an excerpt on compassion and in it it's a story of his something he goes through with self-hate mm. and my response is always tell me more tell me more tell me more and he wants me to tap him with the magic wand you know and give him the algorithm that will help him be freed of it but I just keep saying, tell me more, tell me more. And he tells me more and he can settle down into his self and into that, his little Neil, his young Neil, his, his Neil that carried so much shame and lack of forgiveness. And also that conviction that he was the reason for this parent's unhappiness, mm-hmm. that he was not only defective, but he was responsible. He was defective. He was the reason for their mir- misery. And he needed to make everything better for them and for both his brothers. And I've carried that with me, too. So if I say, tell me more, tell me more, 
I get to hold up a loving mirror to him instead of the mirror um, that his family held up to him, which is this, which was um, look at yourself. You know, you're a mess. Mm. Go, and in the fifties, in my house, we went to our uh, room without eating dinner. You know, and um, and so coincidentally, I've had a lifelong eating disorder, which is ninety percent better, but may never go away completely. So um, that forgiveness thing is is a huge part of the path of being a seeker of freedom and of union with the big, beautiful thing, which was not that small, scary pinball machine mind that we, uh, that became some kind of crazy misguided comfort zone as children in scary families. That's, you, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kate. No, it's just, that just is really powerful. I mean, that's, Tell Me More is an incredibly um, scary and also empowering thing to say to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it is. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back. Um, you've alluded a couple times to the role of spirituality and church in your life. And um, I know you've said that you identify as an extremely left-wing Christian. I'm just wondering, what, what does that mean to you? And is there ever tension between your religious beliefs and your political beliefs? Not really, because I go to an extremely left excuse me, left-wing church. <laughs> it was a Black Lives Matter, Matters Church 
you know, in the seventies, it was a sanctuary church during Vietnam. So, um, there have been books like when traveling mercies came out 20 years ago and I was traveling around the country and doing, um, local NPR, a lot of very right-wing Christians would call in and have fixated on something I said, such as that God loves everyone and everyone goes to heaven. And they would want to know how, how, um, how I was preparing to rot in hell for all eternity or, you know, in this, in Death Night Dawn, I write about this manicurist who tells me my husband's going to go to hell yeah. and my dad's already there. And I think it must be really so nice to be so sure of yourself. But, um, it doesn't come up very often. And I've learned an incredible acronym in recovery, which is W-A-I-T for why am I talking? And so mm-hmm. with this manicurist who was explaining that my dad was already in hell, and Neil headed there, I didn't say, I didn't challenge him. I didn't want to say, um, you know, in the book, I said, do you, do you, I, I wanted to say, do you get many repeat customers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, it really doesn't come up because my, what I long for and what I seek out is safety, places of safety. So my church is one of the safest places I can ever be. It's not a fire and brimstone church. And um, so it's a safe place of love and unconditional acceptance and welcome. So not anymore. I used to get it more when I first had come out of the closet as a Christian. But I, I don't really get it very often anymore. But um, it's so interesting to hear you talk about how it's a safe uh, space for you and then just kind of reflect on the relationships you share with your Sunday school class and how you must be... Mm how you in turn are creating that for them. And I'm sure it's subconscious and consciously done, but it's really, it's really powerful that just the description of the way you talk to them um, throughout the book. I found it really moving. Oh, thank you. I love my kids. We're just after 16 months going to get together um, Friday and um, there'll be at least three of them and they'll be the older batch. They'll be like Mm -hmm. 11, 12, 13. And um, the little ones won't be with us yet. And um, I just miss them. They really keep me honest, you know. Mm. They make me laugh. And they just love me so much. And I want to keep them safe. This is a dangerous world, you know. And we are such a vulnerable species. And I want to help them have the self-esteem that will, to some degree, keep them safe from letting people think or say or do things to them um, that um, that would be preying on low self-esteem. So I, help, mm. I try to help them keep breaking that trance. I want to ask, um, as writers, um, you know, Dory and I have both written books and have books coming out in the next year. And I mean, I think I, I can speak for both of us is that you wrote, you know, essentially the, the book on on writing and what it means to to be creative and it's you know the one we pull out again and again and quote and worship and like cry over and it just left me wondering what is the pressure like for you who is also a writer who is still writing and still creating and still i'm imagining going maybe you're not but experiencing the kind of challenge emotional challenges and self-doubt that comes with being a writer to then also kind of have the pressure of being the expert or the person that all the rest of us writers are holding up as the, the one who knows it all. I don't really think about it. You know, I, um, I hear about it. Like you just express and I hear about it or be introduced as such. And I'm always just sort of surprised. It was just such a little book. It's funny because just, uh, anecdotally, um, Pantheon, my publisher at the time, um, wasn't interested in it because I'd written Operating Instructions, which was my first New York Times bestseller. And they were, the publishers only think strategically how to follow up a bestseller. And I had written four novels before that, and they thought I should write another novel um, and parlay Operating Instructions success into, you know, 
Mm. And I kept saying, no, I really, I have this book I want to write. It'll come easily. I can do it pretty quickly. Well, no, they'd say, we'll do that after the novel. But it was in my heart. You know how when you have something that is in you that wants to be written, it's kind of like a jungle drum and it's a pulse. Yeah. And I want to do it. I had to really talk them into it. I had to tell them I'd do it in six months. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I know. That's not a lot of time. (laughs) No. But I've been talking about writing forever, so it really wasn't that hard. But um, I, I literally don't think about it. I don't, I, uh, like when I'm on a book tour, <clears throat> which I hate, even a virtual one, I, um, I hear about it or I think about it more. And of course, I get into that um, awful, awful strategy and self promotion of just trying to get people to buy my book. And, um, but most of the time I have this kind of ploppy life. You know, I, as I've expressed, I go for walks, take the dogs for walks. I take a nap with a kitty. I have a son and a grandson here. My stepdaughter's here. I'm in recovery. I go to a lot of meetings. I go to church every Sunday. going to get to meet up with my Sunday school kids. And it is about as far away from any sense of fame or acclaim as you could get. Like none of them. You know, none of them, I mean, they rarely take me seriously or think of me in terms of having a, quote, following, you know, or or quote, unquote, fame or whatever. And every so often, like I was on the Today Show in March with Hoda, and and that got their attention, you know, but that was really literally it. And uh, and the rest of the time, it's like, did you remember mayonnaise, you know? Did you, Nana, I need a ride. I need a ride. No, I say take your bike. Oh, no, no, my feet hurt. Please go. And that's really what it's like. It's like, thank God nobody's special. I mean, that was Ram Dass's whole thing mm. the last 10 or 15 years of his life. And his last book, I believe, or his last documentary is Nobody Special. And, um, and just really trying to get rid of all of the appear, the surface stuff and the appearance stuff and the achievement stuff and just to be inside the, what he called the heart cave and, and operating from there, you know, with your higher power and with your, with your, your bigger, your higher, bigger, sweeter self than instead of the person who is kind of a performance artist. Sounds like having a ploppy life is um that's the that's that's like the the true sense of joy though, right? Like that really is yeah, that's where the action is. That's where yeah. it all is for me. Well, um, and this has really been a real gift to get to talk to you. Your new book is is beautiful and also so timely. Like mm-hmm. just the with so much going on in the world to be able to have that acknowledged, but also just kind of feel soothed by you is really um, powerful. And I highly recommend Dusk Night Dawn to anyone, everyone listening. It's also beautiful. Like it just looks beautiful, yeah. but um, I can't match the cover. I know. Yeah. I, they, they, I did not intend this when the art direction arrived, but it is my favorite color. I'm not showing you the, I'll just show you the back so you don't have to have it in your face. But I always wear this, these sort of lavender lilac. I love purple. I love pink. I love the colors I look good in there. I've said it. (laughs) Well, listen. I look great in light blue. (laughs) Let that be a lesson for all of us is those are the colors we all should love. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you again. This has really been a pleasure. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on your show. It's just it's such an important message to be getting across that that you all are are uh, you know devoted to sharing that it all begins with with self love and and um and gentleness of spirit and gentleness of being and um you know it's not about the exact right foundation it's about the the way that the hands with which you apply it the gentleness mm-hmm. of the hands with which you apply it so that. thank you so much yeah, thank you. Whew. Dory, did I seem nervous when did I like announce my nerves to you? Um oh, I think only like after the fact. Like in the interview I kept like bumbling and I was just like, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. <laughs> she she was really 
she was really interesting. Yeah, um, she was. I do want to just say like her new her new book was really moving. I mean, I, I love I've read a lot of her books and they've always had a big impact on my life. And Bird by Bird, especially if you are. It's a it's a book about creativity and writing, but I think it would really impact anyone. So if you haven't read it, it's I pick it up every time I'm struggling to write. Every time I have two copies. That's how cuckoo I am. Wow. About it. I only have one. Well, you're still a fan. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> All right. So Dory, let's yes. get into the uh, the intense zone here because let's do it. Last week, you did some scheduling, and your intention was focused on your audiobook and not going hoarse, not losing your voice. You had three days of talking for like ten hours a day. Yeah, it actually did not end up being that long. I would say each day was about five hours. Um, okay. But I did not go hoarse. I, I I kept myself very well hydrated, drank a lot of water and a little bit of tea, which meant I had to pee constantly. I actually thought of you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. I'm that's touching. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I have one more day of recording. And I, I'm pretty confident that I will not go hoarse. So I consider that intention fulfilled. And this week, I just want to make time to exercise in some way every day because I just feel so much better when I have a chance to like move my body. So Heck that's yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. How about you? How did you make your therapy appointment? No, I didn't. Okay. But- I'm going to I'm going to try to email my therapist today. Last week was one of those weeks where I was like barely keeping my head above water. Mm. I mean, barely. I was like yeah. eating literally crumbs off the ground for dinner. Like I just it was like that, you know, when you're just kind of like you're just surviving. You're just yes, making it minute by minute. So I my to-do list kind of just went by the wayside, but I really I miss my therapist. So I would like mm-hmm. to make a therapy appointment. Um and I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that again today. I'm going to try that again this week. I said, maybe I'll email her today. So this recommitment, it's fresh in my brain. I'm going to add it to my to-do list. And God, I hope by the next time we talk, I've done it. I I hope so too. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> look, this episode is brought to you by omelets. <laughs> uh, yep. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Schaffrier and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. And Dory's favorite buffet is the one at Caesars. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>